Last summer, we were driving back from Colorado. We were in the panhandle of Texas, about an hour outside of Amarillo. It was getting late at night, so we started making calls to hotels in Amarillo to try to find a room for the night. Turns out, everybody stops in Amarillo, apparently, to spend the night. And we had to call about six or seven hotels before we finally found a room. And it may have been the only room in Amarillo available that night, but we found one. It was on the east side of town. We were traveling eastward back home towards Memphis, and we figured, okay, east side of town, it'll put us that much closer to home the next morning. So after we made that reservation, I was free to just take in the uh, open road all around me, the wide open spaces. There's not a tree in sight near Amarillo. You can see for miles and miles outside Amarillo. And you know what I was thinking while I was pulling into Amarillo, don't you? Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio, of course I was thinking about George Strait while I was pulling into Amarillo. If you're thinking about anything else outside of Amarillo, frankly, you're just not thinking, but it may be because I was singing George Strait on repeat in my mind that I failed to account for the foreboding clouds on the horizon, these dark, ominous clouds that were just moving in over the highway we were traveling, and I'm just singing Amarillo by morning, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 just one golf ball sized hail after another is slamming onto our minivan and we start to panic because there is nowhere to hide out here on these open plains. We look for a tree, we can't find one anywhere. Lindsay starts studying the radar and we try to take these back roads to avoid the hail and every back road we travel down is, is blocked by these walls of water, these flash floods, just walls of muddy brown water like nothing we'd ever seen, so we have to turn around and go a different way. We pull beside this grain silo for a few minutes to try to get out of the storm. It's no use. Finally, we make it to the western edge of Amarillo, and we think we're three miles from getting out of this storm. But what we didn't know is that apparently Amarillo is shaped like a giant V, so all the water in town runs towards the center of town, and there's not an elevated overpass over those central streets in Amarillo. So we spent three hours trying to make it three miles from the west side of Amarillo to the east side until finally we found a way and made it to our hotel room. I'll tell you what, I don't love Amarillo. And when people have asked me in the last few weeks what it feels like to lead a church in this moment in our world, what I thought is, it feels a lot like Amarillo, but I don't say that because that metaphor is not going to make any sense to them, and it's probably not fair to a whole city, Amarillo. I'm sorry about that, and it's probably not fair to George Strait, and I owe him more than that. So here's what I say. I switch the metaphor. Instead of saying it feels like Amarillo, what I say is it feels a bit like sailing in uncharted waters. Now, full disclosure, I've never gone sailing. <laughs> Maybe you've never gone sailing either, but that metaphor probably makes some sense to you because it feels like this journey that we're on as a church right now and really as a nation and world that there's not like a playbook for this. There's not a map for this journey and that the seas that we're traveling are tumultuous and rough and it's a bit scary. So imagine, imagine with me that you were one of those early explorers and you set off from some land far away towards this uncharted territory on the map. 
and you set off on a boat for that uncharted territory, can you imagine what that would have been like to not have a destination in mind, to only have a direction like west or east, to not know what was on the other end of that direction, but to just to have a, a way to go west or east or some direction like that? Can you imagine that? Now, what would you do if you were captaining that ship at that moment when you can no longer see where you've come from and you still can't see where you're going and all that you see around you is water? What do you do in that moment? Well, it's in that moment that the direction becomes the mission and you continue to travel the direction that you've been called to travel. Let's think about that together as a church right now. What is our direction at Highland? What's our mission? And I'll admit that question is a bit flawed. And, and this is what I mean by that. The church does not have a mission. Okay. God has a mission. And for the purposes of God's mission, God has a church. So the mission, which is ours, is only ours because first, it was God's. Out of God's mission, the church arises. That's what we see in Scripture. So what we need to do as a church in a moment like this, in these uncharted waters that we're sailing, what we need to do is we need to ask, what is God's mission? Because if it's God's, then it's ours. And I think the truth is, if you dig into the Word of God, what you find as it relates to the mission of God, is a word that has a lot to say to us right now in the moment that we're living in as a church, as a community, and as a nation. So let's dig into the word. And the first place I want to take you is to that passage that you know really well. Whether you're our guest this morning, whether you're a longtime Highlander, whether you don't even know that much about Jesus and the gospel, you have probably heard this verse because it is one of the first verses we teach our young people. It's one of the verses we post on our signs. We share on social media. This is central to who we are as a church. And the reason we teach this, this verse to young people is not because it's cute. We teach it to them because it's core. All right? It's central to what it means to be a Christian, part of the church on God's mission. This is in John 3, 16. You know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish that have eternal life. This is about as simple as it gets. God loves the world, and because he loves the world, he sends Jesus to the world. So Jesus is sent by God's love for the world and for God's love for the world. If God's mission is to love the world, then Jesus is his mission enacted on earth as in heaven. Now, before you post on your social media that love is the answer, put down your phone. Well, unless you're watching this on your phone, then, then don't put it down, but don't post that on your social media, okay? Eric did not say love is the answer to the question of what is our mission as a church. To the question of what can fix this broken world that we're living in, love is only the answer in the sense that God's love in Jesus Christ is the answer. Don't forget, as our elders pointed to last week and as we read in Ephesians 2, that through his love demonstrated on the cross that Jesus tore down all the barriers that divide different people. And he brought those different people 
together and then together with God. And that the only reason Jesus had the power to do that was because of the sacrificial love of God seen on the cross. In fact, we read in Ephesians 2 that that was his purpose to make many people into one humanity. And then he's able to accomplish that purpose only because he's empowered by the love of God. Now, show me somebody else in our world who has figured that out right now. Right? There's not anybody. Policies absolutely need to change right now. Our practices absolutely need to change right now. But if people do not experience the transforming love of God in Jesus Christ, the love of God that transforms us, compels us, convicts us, if they don't experience that love of God, then not only will they not be prepared for eternal life, they won't be prepared for tomorrow. And God is not okay with that. God is not okay with our world looking the same tomorrow as it does today, and that is divided and ugly and unjust. And so God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And the mission of Jesus is God's love for the world. That's why he sent. But then Jesus says this. Are you familiar with this passage? <clears throat> Jesus says this in John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And he says that to his disciples. Now, now don't forget, you and I are Jesus disciples. You remember the movie Mission Impossible? Tom Cruise, he plays a secret agent, Ethan Hunt, and he gets these, these missions that are sent to him on devices that self-destruct. And before each of them self-destructs, they say, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it? Well, church, that's not how it works for us. You know, the mission of God isn't something we get to choose for ourselves or not choose for ourselves. Hear me when I say this. God's mission is the reason this church exists. God's, God's mission is the reason that any church exists. The church is conceived and born and gathered and then sent for God's mission in the world. That's why we exist. So, so if we're looking for a direction right now, and we should be, you know, in this moment, when we're traveling these uncharted waters, we should absolutely be looking for direction, but the direction's really clear. The direction we travel is the same direction Jesus traveled. The mission we are on is the same mission Jesus was on, and it's really clear. Our mission is God's love for the world in Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever heard the term mission drift? Now, drift, that's a, a nautical term, so it fits with the metaphor we're using this morning of sailing on these uncharted waters. Mission drift. Think about what drifting is. Think about, uh, I don't know, Tom Hanks at the end of the movie Castaway when he makes his little raft and sets off into the ocean to try to be rescued, and he's drifting on the ocean. Or think about Robert Redford in the, the new movie All is Lost when his ship becomes broken and he just drifts on the water struggling to survive. Or if you're a true movie aficionado, I want you to think back to the movie Richie Rich when Macaulay Culkin's parents crash their airplane in the Pacific and spend weeks floating on a raft 
waiting their rescue while Macaulay Culkin takes over the family business and defeats evil. I digress, and I'm sorry about that. Mission drift. To drift means that you are not moving in the right direction. Right? You are drifting from that direction that you're supposed to be traveling. And what Peter Steinke says is that mission drift can happen to an organization when people come together for one purpose originally and then lose sight of that one purpose and begin to focus on a host of other focuses, potentially. So Steinke says that mission drift can happen to a church. You know, that a church can start, let's say, 90 years ago, like the Highland Church, compelled by a clear vision and mission for the love of God for the world, and that over our 90 years, that we can just kind of drift from that, and we can become more about being a place where you see your friends, or get encouraged for each week, or get an hour of free babysitting. I'm not saying that's happened, but what Steinke says is that mission drift is just a function of time, but mission drift can especially happen when forces outside of their control, outside of a church's control, when those forces begin to press down upon a church. Right. Does, does that remind anybody of what's going on right now in our world? And that makes me think back to Amarillo. Right? There we were trying to get from the west side of Amarillo to the east side of Amarillo and running into one flooded road after another with cars washed off the street. And you know what we did when we couldn't get to the east side of Amarillo? We started calling every hotel on the west side we could find. Okay? And, and, and you're thinking to yourself, Eric, you would have settled for something that wasn't the goal. Yeah, I wouldn't have only settled for it. I would have paid more for it if I could find a hotel on the west side of town. Or, or go back to that you know, imaginary game we played earlier where you're the captain of a ship. And imagine that you were sailing this, this boat in the middle of a storm and the waves are crashing down on you. And you know that you need to get east, but there's a dock over here just a mile away to the west. Don't you think you would think about sailing for that dock? I've been reading a lot in the story of the life of the Apostle Paul. And one of the things that I've been really convicted about as I've been reading that story in the last few weeks is that Paul had this unparalleled ability to stay on mission. There's one moment in which Paul is traveling to Jerusalem and listen to how he describes his decision to go there. Listen to what he says. Now, compelled by the Spirit. He's not saying, I decided to go there. I thought it would be a good idea to go there. He's something outside of himself. The Spirit of God is compelling him. He says this, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what will happen to me there. What I do know is that the Holy Spirit testifies to me from city to city that prisons and troubles await me. But nothing, not even my life, is more important than completing my mission. You know, it turns out that Paul's mission will take him beyond Jerusalem, ultimately to Rome. And there's this incredible scene in Acts when Paul is traveling on this boat to Rome and storms begin to crowd in on this boat. And everybody on the boat panics. They begin to throw things overboard. They try to run the boat aground and flee. Some of them try to let down the life rafts and get off the boat. And what Paul tells everybody is to stay on board. You remember what Ananias said about Paul years before? This is what we read. This man, this is God speaking to Ananias, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people 
of Israel. That's what God told Ananias about Paul. And the takeaway is Paul didn't choose his mission. God chose Paul for his mission. All right, so let's circle back to what this means for us at church. Remember how I said that in the same way that God sends Jesus, that Jesus turns around and sends you and I. Well, church, listen, listen to me. We did not choose our mission. 90 years ago when this church started, we started because we were compelled by the mission of God. God's mission chose us, and God's mission then was His love for the world. And God's mission now for us is His love for the world. And some of us are struggling right now. I'll admit to you that I am struggling right now as I look around at our world, at the injustice in our world, at the violence in our world, at the heartbreak in our world. I'll admit to you, I am struggling right now. And if you are struggling like me, here's what I want to say to you. Stay on board. You know, that's the beauty of being part of a church with a mission that is bigger than yourself. A church that can carry you when you're down in the direction that God has called us all to travel and go. There are times when we don't have the energy, the capacity, the resources, the the desire even to follow in that direction. But we know like Paul that God chose us as he chose this church. And there are times when you need the church to carry you in the direction of that mission. And so if you are struggling right now, what I wanna tell you is to stay on board. Because if you are down right now, if you feel like you are sinking, then what you need to hear right now is more important than any encouraging word I could say to you. Because an encouraging sermon right now would lift you up right now, but it would be gone tomorrow. That's the thing about encouraging words. They're here one moment and then they're gone to next. And if your life is a life that is built on encouraging words, whether those encouraging words are for me, whether those encouraging words are things you read on social media, if your life is sustained by occasional encouraging words, that is a life that is doomed to sink. But when you're a part of something bigger than yourself, when your life is carried along by a vessel that you didn't create or make, when your life is carried along in a direction that you know that you have been called to, when your life is surrounded by those who pull you up and bring you with them towards the direction that God has called us, that is a life that is meaningful and lasting and that is the life you want. So if you are struggling right now, just stay on board because today, church, what we're doing is we are leaning hard in the direction of our mission, the mission that God has given this church. Today, we're making sure those rudders are aligned squarely in the direction of God's love for the world. And what we do today is we're gonna raise $150,000. And we're gonna give it away to the best ministries in Memphis and around the world. Ministries like Agape and HopeWorks. Ministries like our, our support of the foster care system in Memphis. Ministries like our support of adoption in Memphis. Ministries like our support of missionaries in Papua New Guinea and Ukraine and Philippines and China. What we're gonna do when we raise this $150,000 and give it to those ministries is we are gonna point this ship directly in the direction of God's mission of love for the world. You know, and make no mistake, 
these ministries are engaged in the kind of work this world needs right now. You know, we have ministries that we support that are directly combating the racism that's still in our world and as we have seen in the last few weeks. Praise God for those ministries. We are making a difference. The Highland Church is making a difference in what matters most right now through ministries like these. We have ministries like we read in John 3.16 that are preparing people for eternal life. And the thing about God's love is it is both eternal and it is practical. It is both future and it is right now. God's love for the world is the only thing that has the capacity and the power to make the difference this world needs right now. And I know that you, like me, want to be back together. And church, we're going to be back together soon. But regathering here is not the mission. The reason God gathers us at all, whether it's on site or online, the reason God gathers us at all is because our mission is so much greater than that. God gathers us because he loves the world too much to let it stay like it is. And so this morning we give to that end. We sacrifice what we have and we give that so that God's love in this world will be felt on earth as it is in heaven. Can you join me in doing that this morning? You know, George Strait saying, I ain't got a dime, but what I got is mine. And I hate to admit it, but George Strait was wrong. <laughs> Whatever I have is not mine. It's his. Whatever God has given me, he has given me for the purposes of his mission on this world. And church, if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, if you're looking around you and you don't know what to do, what to offer our world right now, I'm telling you, this is it. When you give to these missions and ministries this morning, when you sacrifice what he has given you, you're helping us travel in the direction of God's mission of love. And I believe God's love in Jesus Christ is the only answer. Let's pray. God, we lament that this world is broken. I'm reminded of what Paul says, that this world is in the bondage to decay, awaiting when it will be brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And God, we've seen that all around us. God, we struggle to know what to do in response. And yet, God, the answer is clear. The only solution, the only answer is your love for this world in Jesus Christ. May we bear your love into this world in the name of Jesus Christ, for the sake of Jesus Christ, and so that you're glorified. God, I'm thankful for this generous church. God, I'm thankful for their generous gifts over the last few weeks that have sustained us. I pray, God, that you would make us generous now for your sake, for your kingdom, and so that your love might be known in the world. The only love that has the power to upend injustice to upend hatred, to upend violence. God, it's only your love in Jesus Christ that has that power. What a joy, what a privilege that we get to participate in that love.
God, as we, many of us, take communion in our homes with our families or by ourselves. God, I pray that we would reflect on and remember that that any sacrifice we make today, we make only because you first sacrificed for us. Because we have been the recipients of your love in Jesus Christ, as we see on the cross, we're ready and willing to share that love with the world, whether it means we suffer and certainly when it means we sacrifice, we do so because you have done so first. And it is in the name of your loving son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.